I'm excited to talk to Aaron today because he is a financial expert. He's a CPA. He knows a lot about investments and taxes. And as a as a freelancer, you need to be able to position yourself properly. Um, I made a lot of mistakes when I was first freelancing and when I first had to file for taxes after my first year. It was a huge headache. And Aaron's here to help you prevent those types of mistakes. And so we're going to discuss today how you can prepare your financial life to be able to support your family safely while uh, starting a business, while being self-employed. And so, Aaron, do you want to just introduce a little bit more about what you do, how you got into this, and uh, yeah, just what your real real focus is with your business? Sure. So, um, so again, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, and uh, so my business focuses uh, largely around, uh, it's a financial planning business um, slash investment practice. And so we... Um, we work a lot with individuals at pre-IPO companies, but um, we do have lots of people um, who, are, who are not in that pre-IPO boat. Again, we're we're in Silicon Valley, so we see a lot of it. Um, but you know, I, I wrote a book uh, called Financial Adulting, and it really tackles, I think, a lot of the issues that um, you're bringing up. So I got into what I do um, sort of on on accident. Uh, so I was in law school uh, and uh, met my wife while I was in law school, and her, uh, her father-in-law said, Hey, uh, her father-in-law, my father-in-law, <laughs> her father said, Hey, how would you like to kind of do what I do? And I was like, okay. And he was financial planning. I said, well, it sounds, looks sort of interesting. You know, um, my background is as a CPA. Um, and so I sort of had all of the right, um, background, um, for, for getting into financial planning. And, and that's what I eventually did. And, um, I've, I've loved it. Um, you know, I spent three years in public accounting, so, um, got got nice and seasoned there, but uh, you know, do not miss the busy season hours and, and all the other stuff that comes with that. So I'm I'm pretty happy. Very good. Well, thanks for for letting us know about that. And I'd I'd love to know more about what are some key points that you teach in your book for young people. You know, they're in their 20s, they're getting ready to either graduate college or they already had, and they're trying to figure out their financial life and. I know if it was like me, I was very unprepared for understanding how to uh, figure out my finances. Yeah, what are some of the key points that you really discuss in that book, financial adulting, and um, that you can share with with this audience that they'd be able to benefit from? So, to me, the the most important chapter in financial adulting is is not on accident. Chapter one, uh, and and chapter one is all about creating a budget. And, and if you want to know where you're going, you have to know where you've been um, and where you are. Uh, and, and that is creating that budget. It's, it is the most crucial piece of any financial plan that, that, that occurs, even my own financial plan. So just, you know, me and my wife just, just this weekend, we're like, hey, you know, let's get our arms around where things are now. Let's go through a credit card, which is horrendous. And let's, you know, pick out what's there, what are we spending our money on, and what can we change? Because you can't change anything unless you know what it is that can be changed. So budget, step one, for sure. Um, and then um, and then once you have that budget, you know, you need to build things into that budget. So again, having an emergency type fund, so like six months of expenses just built up that you can burn through in case maybe things slow down for you. Um, and, and again, just being prepared um, for, for those sorts those sorts of things. When it comes to having a budget, um, how would you, uh, you know, pretend that you're speaking with somebody in their 20s that's trying to start their own freelance business, they've got some bills, they have a small family, um, how would they go about 
creating like what are some elements of that budget that they that they need to have and to what level are they breaking things down because there's a lot of different approaches to budgeting and you know whether it's just big chunks going to this or breaking it down even further especially when you're not you're going to have income that is not consistent they're you know they're they're getting clients and one month they're earning 5000 the next it's 8000 how do you budget when you your income might not be consistent when you're just getting a business going uh, carefully, <laughs> you know, the, and, and, you know, and, and, and having, having that cash cushion for, again, the leaner months that are, that are bound to happen. Uh, so, you know, when, when you're looking at that budget, I, I try to get as granular as I can, you know, category wise, you know, it's, I think it's sometimes we get, and I, and I get the same way when you were going to your budget, we get frustrated. Uh, and we say, okay, well, I'm just going to lump this into entertainment. Like entertainment gets so much stuff, but, but you can you can throw lots of stuff in entertainment. But if you're not breaking it down, again, you're you're not doing yourself any favors. Um, you know, all you're doing is creating you know a number that is virtually meaningless. That's very hard to impact um, on the margins, um, as opposed to if you're like, okay, I'm going to break this down. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to break it down between Starbucks and Pete's, um, but having like, but but you might have a coffee budget. You know, like I I tend to go to Starbucks and I. I for anyone who wants to buy me coffee by the way i i i get i get a dopio macchiato it's three dollars and five cents every time i go and i go pretty dang consistently you know so i have like a real coffee budget um you know you know my wife doesn't necessarily have you know that same thing but again but you're you but but starting you know starting with 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 breaking it down as small as you can that makes sense will help you you know get to that final number that you need yeah, that's definitely helpful. Um, and I, you know, in my own experience, budgeting is an ever evolving thing. It's like we, sometimes we switch up what we're doing and, you know, a year goes by and now we have different priorities. And when it comes to, so, you know, the, so the first thing we have to do is really figure out where we're at, where we've been, how should a, someone in their twenties starting a business, um, financially plan as they're projecting forward. So you have the budgeting side, then you have the financial planning side what what is a financial like what should be in a financial plan that kind of gives you a clear path so you have the right kind of goals and you know what you're trying to work towards what do you normally recommend especially in that young like do you plan all the way till retirement do you just hey here's the next five years like yeah how do you approach that so again when you're when you're in your early 20s you know for you have no idea what your expenses are going to be like when you're you know closer to you know 50 or 60. I mean, that's, I mean, it's an impossible task. You know, you do that, you do, you do the best with the information that you have. Right. And, and there are certain goals, you know, that, that you try to set up for yourself. Right. So your, you know, goal number one, you know, it, it should be, you know, Hey, I want to save, you know, and you, you pick, pick the number that, that stretches a little bit. I want to save $5,000 a year. Eventually, you know, you should part of your, your, your process should be, I want to get to maxing my 401k or my SEP IRA, depending on, um, you know, on, on where you are, um, you know, from a freelance perspective and, 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 and you work toward, towards there, right? And in the beginning, you might not be able to max your 401k. I mean, it's a great goal, but again, it, it may not be, um, may not be feasible, but it's one of those things where you build it into your budget now 
and, and maybe it's small, maybe it's really small, maybe it's $500 a year, that's okay. Because what, then what happens is, hopefully, as your income's growing, you have to keep in mind, all right, if my income goes up by 20%, I need to increase my 401k contribution by 20%. So, so it, you need to link those things together. And if you never start with a 401k goal or with a 401k actual deposit sort of thing, you know, then you're never going to increase it because it never existed. So that, so you got to get it on paper and you got to make it reality before you can, you know, start really planning for, yes, I'm going to max it. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, like, like you're saying, there's, there's some level of plan that has to go into place, but you can't necessarily say, Hey, my budget when I'm 60 is going to be this. Um, and there's really no way of knowing that in the first year, uh, when, let's say somebody just shifted to self-employment or they just started it, how should they prepare themselves when tax season comes around? Um, everything from, you know, how they do their bank accounts or tracking their expenses, like what's going to make uh, them avoid having a huge headache when it comes time to to do their taxes? And does, does that involve bringing in a CPA before tax season? I mean, what, what kind of things does does this person need to do? Uh, d- depends on your time, right? When you when you're hiring a CPA or an accountant of any sort, um, you know you're you're outsourcing something. You're saying I don't have the time or or maybe the capacity, um, you know, to do this. And so you know it it can totally make sense, you know, early on uh, to bring in uh, a preparer of some sort. But you're gonna have to track your all your income and expenses, and that's that's sort of where everything's gonna we're going to start and there's some great tools out there. Um, you know, QuickBooks has some nice things, you know, taking pictures of receipts and, you know, making it as painless as possible. Although again, there's always going to be time that you're going to burn doing bookkeeping type stuff. Um, but again, as you get bigger, maybe you do hire a bookkeeper and you just give them the shoebox and they go through and they just, and they do it. Um, but, but certainly, you know, you want to keep your eye on that tax, um, because you're going to, you owe tax every quarter. Um, it's based upon what your liability, you know, is going to be. Uh, and, and now you can avoid penalties by using prior year safe harbors and that sort of thing. I'm not going to get bogged down there, but again, you know, the, I, I've seen people make huge mistakes, you know, with that, where they, you know, they, when they pick an arbitrary number, which is not helpful, um, you need to know what your tax rate is. You need to know, cause you're going to owe self-employment tax. Um, that SE tax is north of 15%. So you better be prepared to whatever your income tax is going to be, tack on, again, up to a certain limit, tack on another 15%. Um, so, again, having a prepare, you can you can nail you can get really granular, you know, and, and really get the number right, you know, but you can you can obviously use, if, if you're, you know, just starting out, pop out TurboTax and, and put, plug in some numbers and, and see what it's going to be. When it comes to... Uh the the estimated taxes this is something that you know really confused me at first and uh you know i had years initially where like when i wasn't bringing somebody in to help um you know i i estimated it based on a certain month and it was and it was wrong and then i owed more at the end of the year um is so is there is there tools that a freelancer should rely on that can get that well or really they need to just hire somebody to figure that out for them um especially if it's like year one do they even pay estimated taxes on the first year um and how do you how do you you know not get penalized if 
you don't know what your income is going to be throughout the whole year. You know, maybe it's different the first half of the year than it is the second half of the year. Um, yeah. So, so here, so if, if it's your first year for freelancing, I mean, there are a lot of questions there, so hopefully I'll remember them all. <laughs> so feel free to, to, to jug my memory, but, uh, you know, if it's your first year, let's say you came from a regular W2 type of job, you had a tax liability and let, let's use 2022 and 2021. You had, you, you were W20, W2 in 2021, 2022, you were freelance. 2021, you had a tax liability based upon your W-2. Now, assuming it, and, and I don't know, let, let's let's ignore the state for now because I don't know what state you're in or where your listeners tend to be. But I think in California, it's just the most bizarre thing ever. Um, but so let's keep it at federal, right? You you take a look at your federal, and if you're under, I think it's $150,000 of, of adjusted gross income, you end up um, owing 100%, if you want to avoid penalty, if you pay in 100% of the prior year's um, tax return, tax amount, you can avoid the penalty. If you're under, if you're over 150,000, it's 110% of the prior year, or alternatively, 90% of the current year. Um, so it's, so it's either, so depending on AGI, what your safe harbor is from prior year or 90% of your current year, in which case, you know, you're going to have to put pencil to paper, um, to, to do that sort of thing. Um, the, you know, when your when your cash flows are so irregular, you know, you can what what I what I've done, you know, in in my my life um, is, you know, every quarter I just, you know, I go through and I um, I say, okay, my first quarter was this. I'm going to assume that it's going to be the next four quarters like that. Okay, second quarter happens. Now I true it up to reality. Okay, so now I have two quarters that were like this <laughs> and now and i'm going to assume that the the, the, net, the following two quarters are going to be the same way um and then you get to the third quarter and you say okay you know based upon my three quarters my average is whatever it is for the three quarters it's probably going to be my fourth quarter so you do the best you can there and you pay in as you go if you are in a situation you know where it's it's highly irregular and it's i mean it's really really far off um, you know, you can, there are different methods to reduce penalties. Um, you can do it. You can do an actualization, you know, for cash flows in the IRS. And you, I think you'd break it down almost, I don't know if it's quarter by quarter, month by month, um, as to how much your income was in, in any given set of time so that you can abate your penalties because your cash flow is so regular. Okay. Gotcha. Now, what if, so if you, you have, when you have the four quarters, let's say that, um, you paid a lot less in estimated taxes for the first six months of the year. Your income was lower. Your income was much higher the second six months. So then you ended up paying much higher amount. But by the end of the year, so, you know, December 31st or whatever, the, I think the due date's in January, isn't it, for the fourth quarter? Yeah, um, so by that deadline, if you've paid over, is it like 90% of what you owe to avoid the penalty? Is that what it is? Yeah, so so you have to pay ninety percent, but 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 generally, unless you've unless you've you've calculated otherwise, it has to be rateable. Um, so so you let, let's say your your tax liability is I'm I'm gonna mess this up, but let let's say it's you know a hundred thousand dollars. You know that means you know for twenty twenty two. So now you're gonna ninety thousand. You have to have at least paid in ninety thousand dollars, and without without triggering an exception the irs expects you to pay ninety thousand dollars divided by four which is twenty twenty two thousand five hundred um per quarter but if you can show them hey but that's not how my cash flow really worked 
my cash flow really worked. I was it was a lot leaner the first six months, and then I got a lot. The next is you have to show them those cash flows, and then and then you can abate the penalties because again, you're they'll let you match your cash flows to your tax payments. Okay, so they still look at it by quarter to see if you paid the even if you paid the full amount by the end of the year. If you didn't right. pay the, the the certain amount in each quarter, they're just assuming you're earning the same amount all year or the same same amount each quarter. Then um, you get penalized for that specific quarter of what you paid. That's right. And how much That's under right. it was. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. And and uh, and just 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 to confuse your listeners as much as I can, um, that's actually not the case with W two. W two is considered rateable no matter when the when, no matter when the withholding happens. So if let, let let's let's say you owed ninety thousand dollars for the year, and you and for some magical reason you withheld ninety thousand dollars on December thirty first, the IRS treats that as if you made that those ninety thousand dollar the the twenty three thousand dollar payments every quarter, even though you waited to the last day of the year to do the withholding because withholding is treated differently. So business business owners and freelancers have it have it hard. <laughs> yeah, and I think it is harder when you're yeah because uh, I've always just been. Um uh, like owner, I, I don't pay myself a W two salary. It's just self employment tax with the LLC. Um, so okay, so that's really helpful. Um, to kind of, are there other any other specific points that you want to discuss with that audience that you you thought would be helpful to them as they are a young parent with a family trying to get a freelance business going? You've already shared some really great trips of just how to make sure that we are prepared enough uh, for, for tax season and how to create a budget. Any others that even your book talks about that you think would be helpful to, to discuss as we wrap it up? Uh, gosh, I, bought, I mean, I've got nine more chapters in the book. So, <clears throat> you know, I've got, I, I got lots of, lots of ammunition. Um, oh, gosh. I mean, if, 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 you're, if, if you're freelancing, especially if, if you're on the younger side um, of freelancing, um, you know, under say under 35 under 30 um you know you there there are certain and, and this, this is sort of one of my passions there are certain estate documents that you really need to have in place you know you need you need to have power of attorneys available you need to so in case something happens to you someone's going to make decisions for you financially or for your for your medical care um you got to have that sort of thing and a lot i've seen so many people come into my office when we had offices um you know that they just they have nothing you know and, and they have kids and they have no wills they have no trust they have no they have no documents whatsoever but you, you, there's some things you just gotta have um and powers of attorney and if you have kids you got you gotta have a will you have to um really um you know if, if you love your kids you're gonna, you're gonna have a will um and uh and and you may want to see an estate plan attorney anyway you know that I guess that's it. Um, and then, you know, I'd say, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, you know, we, we talked about hiring a CPA and, you know, or, or some sort of accountant or tax repair. You know, it, it can be expensive, but the tax code is complicated. That's why you pay them the money, right? Um, you know, that's why they charge, you know, we charge $350 an hour. You know, the reason is because we're experts at it. You know, and, and your and, and your typical freelance person, unless they're a you know, freelance tax accountant, they don't really know, you know, all, all those different rules. And again, it's you don't know what you don't know. And and that that's where it can get scary. Well that's really helpful. Yeah. I uh um you know, that's something I had to I yeah, so I definitely encourage anyone listening to, to hire that out. I hired it out to a CPA to get things organized and 
you know, and, and lawyer to, to make sure that with the estate planning and wills and um, when it comes to, do you have any advice of how to, when it comes to, let's say you have an LLC, you're self-employed, should you, if, if you're the only one working and your wife is not, should there be like my wife and I, we, we split ownership in our company, even though she's not actively working. Um, and you know, we have a, a trust that has some ownership as well. Like what would you recommend regarding like, what's going to be most beneficial for your family regarding if something were to happen to somebody or just so that the business doesn't just go off to somebody not in the family. I mean, what are, what are, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I think, you know, you need a healthy dose of, dose of realism. Um, you know, is your spouse equipped to do what you can do and can keep it going on or, or may, or may, are they equipped to wind it down? Cause sometimes they're not, you know, and you know, we have, we have trustees, you know, that we work with for who will help businesses kind of do that wind down process. So there are, you know, if, if you have like a bigger business that it's just complicated and if something happens to you because you're the only person you and there's no one else that can do your job and there you don't have like another, um, you know, a buy sell agreement with somebody else or um, or anything like that. You know, there are trustees who will step in and do that sort of thing. But you, you try not to get it there, um, you know, and ha- having having arrangements prior to the event is always key. So, I mean, I have, I have two other partners. Um, so, you know, it's, it's obvious, you know, what happens, you know, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow or today, um, you know, they're taking over, they, um, you know, they're, they're getting some of my revenues. They could hire someone else on to help with all the workload. I mean, you you need to think through, okay, if I'm no longer here, what's going to happen, who can take over for me? You know, and maybe you need to have uh, additional insurance, like life insurance, in place to help defray some of the costs that you're going to create by untimely dying. Gotcha. Okay. Well, great. Well, thanks for for all your help. I mean, it, it's been a, a lot of great tips with with taxes and finances, and I definitely encourage anyone listening to go get your book, Financial Adulting. Is that something we can find on Amazon, or is there a website? That yeah, we yeah, and and. Yeah, financial adulting is definitely on Amazon. You know, some jerk like stole my title. Uh, so like, I published like three years ago, and someone just came out earlier this year and just used my title. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And it was with a, like a real publishing company too. I'm like, didn't you, didn't you like do like an Amazon search before you did this? Anyway, anyway, but you can my my, my cover is a lot cooler. It's got a it's got a paper airplane on it. It looks awesome. Um, you know, so uh, so yeah, Amazon's Amazon's the best place for that. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Aaron, so much, and we're glad to have you on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me again. 